Have you been eating enough protein? Because I haven't been. Let's spend time with Marco, but the food is the star, so it's probably worth sharing. I've had a bag of dried black chickpeas from Rancho Gordo sitting on my counter for a week. I took them out of my pantry to remind me to cook them, and I like beans, and I need more protein in my diet. I've been meaning to cook them, and I've never made black chickpeas before. I want to see what they're like. How will they cook? What will the hummus be like? Are these fancy beans, or are they quality beans? But it's been a week. And every night, I keep walking past these beans, wondering why I don't just get out a bowl of water and start soaking them so I can cook them the next day. And I know you don't have to soak beans. I know you don't have to do it overnight. And lots of people just make them from dry in an instant pot. But I like making food the slow, old-fashioned way. And I did finally make them after I wrote this, and they were great. I've been so busy lately, mostly due to my own irrationally high expectations of myself. I've been obsessing about metrics I don't control when I should be focusing on my own impact, which I can. Instead of feeling good and making beans, I've been feeling down and eating pizza or a sandwich. Pizza and sandwiches are not high-protein meals, and I end up hungry and I end up eating. I'm trying to catch myself doing this because I spent the last three years being so busy I couldn't be thoughtful about what I was eating. I jokingly referred to this as hashtag pizza diet 2020, but 2020 was three years ago. The bag of beans on the counter is a new technique I'm trying. I have to notice them sitting there, which means the beans might only sit on the counter for a day or two. I'm only going to be busy for a few days instead of a few weeks or months or years. Because it's really hard when you're in that busy time to stop, to eat what you intend to eat instead of what's easy. Because what I've learned through this process is it is really hard to eat enough protein in the day especially when cooking is your stress response. This month is my birthday, so I'm 37 now. It's been three years since the first COVID-19 lockdowns, and it seems impossible that it's been that long. Like, those early days of stress, anxiety, and loneliness still feel as close as yesterday, but they're as far as the distant past, and they're so weird they seem like they were imagined. I live alone, and in lockdown, I was bored, I was stressed, and my stress response was to cook and to bake. I needed to be busy. When everyone was making sourdough bread, I was making sourdough croissants every weekend. I wanted to learn how to make good croissants, and really there's nothing like a three-day baking project to make you forget your complete, total lack of human contact. I think I mastered the technique of making them by hand, and I still dream of getting a laminating machine one day, but I got pretty good at making them with a rolling pin. Once I figured out croissants, I began to make everything you can make with laminated pastry dough. I learned to make Danish and Queen Amon, cardamom knots, and then morning buns. Morning buns became everyone's favorite. I would leave them on my porch for my friends and my employees to pick up. No contact. We would shout at each other through my storm door, still wearing masks even though we had a pane of glass between us, because it was a weird time. And my more anxious friends would leave a message for me on my doorbell. You have to remember, this is when everyone would Lysol their groceries. It was a weird time. In 2020, I was a CEO of a tech startup. I tried to keep my team engaged as we moved to remote work. We had Zoom social meetings, which usually ended in awkward silence with everybody looking into each other's eyes, but really at their own thumbnail in the corner, and wondering if this was real life now. I wanted my team to have fun, to stay active, so I bought everyone an Apple Watch. 
and I wanted to model the right behavior, so I ramped up my own running. I got new running shoes because online shopping is also a great stress response. And for anyone who's a runner, you already know how the story ends. The new shoes were a mistake. In the before times, I would run two or three half marathons every year. In 2019, I completed the Around the Bay 30K, my longest race, but I've yet to run a full marathon. I've never made the space for training. But running has been a core part of my personal identity and my health since high school. In April 2020, only a few hundred meters from my house, I tore something in my ankle. I heard something snap loud enough to hear through my headphones while Dua Lipa was telling me that I should have stayed at home. I screamed and I fell to the ground and a few cars pulled over to help and a woman came over to help me. I'm a nurse, she said with so much excitement. (laughs) Anyone but you, I thought. Instead, I told her I was fine. Again, this was only a few weeks into lockdown, and the closest anyone wanted to be to a healthcare worker was banging pots and pans from their window to show their support. It was a very weird time. The nurse offered to take me to the hospital. Anywhere but there, I thought. I declined, pretending I was fine from six feet away, and instead of going to the hospital, I called my dad. He kept me company on the phone while I hopped home on one foot. Downhill. What is normally a three-minute walk took me 20 minutes. I called my neighbor, who dropped off a tensor bandage on my porch in exchange for some morning buns. One of my colleagues left crutches on my porch in exchange for croissants. Porches were a very helpful thing to have in the pandemic. Morning buns and croissants were currency. They could be traded for toilet paper. And I wish that was a joke. I didn't go to the hospital, even though my foot was black and blue and the size of an elephant's. I didn't go because I had done the same thing to my other ankle in 2010, also with new shoes. And that time I had to hop from the train tracks at the back of Victoria Park to Park Street here in Kitchener. That time I did go to the hospital and there wasn't anything they could do. Performative x-rays to make me feel better, rest, ice, compression, and elevation. But I am not good at rest. And the croissando needed rest, ice, compression, and elevation. Why should my needs come before pastry? Bored, alone, and on crutches, I should have been watching Tiger King with everybody else. Instead, I moved a dining chair into my kitchen. I put one knee up on the chair so I could stand in front of my kitchen island and roll out pastry dough. I stubbornly hopped to the fridge and back every hour as the recipe required, like some unkempt version of Tigger. And after a few buns of this, I began to look less like Joel Miller and more like Severus Snape. Turn to page 394 of Tartine Bread. I can't do voices, I'm sorry. Most of my family members are or have been obese. In fact, both of my sisters have had bariatric surgery. Until the pandemic, I managed to stay relatively lean. I walked to work every day for 10 years, uphill, both ways, in the snow. But I no longer walk to work. The only place I have to walk is the fridge. For my entire adult life, until 2020, I stayed around 185 pounds, six foot one for reference. Currently, I am 260 pounds, which you may refuse to believe, but I've tried three different scales and they all agree with each other and they don't agree with you. I've tried everything I know how to do to get back to my old weight. When my ankle healed enough to bear weight, I bought a rowing machine as my low impact workout. I really loved rowing, but iFit has a lack of studio classes, and it got pretty repetitive after I completed all of those. In November 2020, I joined the Cult of Peloton, which I love dearly. 
I pelotoned my little heart out and I did 4,000 kilometers of riding in 2021, the same in 2022. I bought an outdoor bike, a Norco section, and I did a few century rides with my friends. I bought weights and I did pelotons total strength one and two twice. I ripped out my kitchen, I ripped out my floors, I ripped out my ceilings, but I didn't get ripped. My scale only went up through all of this. Now, I know weight isn't the only metric that matters. There are objective metrics in your blood work as well. Health is also about how you feel emotionally, psychologically, your energy levels, your productivity, your capacity for joy and for humor. It's whether you fit into your nice pants, and I don't. All of my metrics were going in the wrong direction. And part of this is from the croissants, sure. But I think a large part of my struggle was the stress. In late 2020, I sold my tech company. In 2021, my new job had 17 Zoom meetings a day, and I was renovating my house. In 2022, I worked at a startup and did my YouTube channel, and my dad had surgery, and I was still renovating my house. My kitchen reno, which should have taken six months, took 18 months. They dropped an oven on my staircase during the delivery, shattering it. And I'm still not ready to talk about all of this because I lived with only a mini fridge a toaster oven, and a hot plate for nine months. I never want to look at how much money I spent on takeout, and I never want to live through that again. And this is how Pizza Diet 2020 became Pizza Diet 2021 and Pizza Diet 2022. For three years, everything in my life was on fire. Nobody died, which I'm grateful for, but it was a no good, very bad time. Now things are pretty settled. My kitchen is done, I only have one job, which is doing this, and COVID will be with us forever, so the most I can do is keep getting my vaccines and avoid my friends when they're sick. Discussing weight loss and weight gain is tricky. Everyone has a different relationship with their body and food. I learned that it is very difficult to prioritize my own health when everything else in my life is on fire. I quickly run out of willpower solving all these other problems when everything goes wrong every day. I found that most diets are framed around denying yourself. Denying calories, denying fats, denying sugar, denying gluten, denying potatoes while allowing sweet potatoes, which doesn't even make sense scientifically. Constantly denying yourself takes a tremendous amount of mental effort. Shaming yourself is unsustainable in the long term, and it comes at a large cost to your mental health and your relationships. This is why most people, me included, end up yo-yoing on the scale while trying these tactics. At some point, I had to accept that I need to buy extra large and 2XL shirts. At some point, I gave away anything that was a medium or large. I don't think that gaining weight makes me any less of a person. And I'm not letting it hold me back from life. I'm literally here putting myself out there in front of the world on camera. This isn't a problem with how I look. It's a problem with how I feel. Because this isn't what the first 34 years of my body felt like. And it's frustrating that everything I've tried over the last three years seems to fail. I tried calorie restricting with calories in, calories out for three months, and that actually made me gain weight very quickly. Like, my body wanted to hold on to everything for a very long winter. I logged everything in every app, which is really hard to do when you cook most of your own food. You need to tediously add every single ingredient. I tried and continue weight training, I tried and continue zone 2 heart rate cardio, I tried a juice cleanse, I tried a nutritionist approved elimination diet, I tried Noom, I had my thyroid checked, 
And that actually was a problem because it turns out by switching to kosher salt years ago, I created an iodine deficiency. But your iodine might vary, and that's something you should talk to your doctor about. Weight loss advice for me feels like a shame spiral. If I only did a better job of tracking every calorie of every meal, if only I eliminated this arbitrary set of foods that someone said are bad on a podcast, if only I did meal planning on Sundays, and I accounted for my macros, and I never had a cookie again, if only I was a chicken breast gay. But none of this is helpful. I don't want to allocate that mental space for this. I never had to allocate that mental space for this. And doing it isn't good for my mental health. And recently I got some advice that's working. I talked to a friend who's a nutritionist, and her only question was, are you eating enough protein? She wasn't here to shame me about my diet or calories or ask me how often I'm eating from the fridge at midnight wearing my bedsheet as a snacking cape. She wasn't suggesting a fad diet. She wasn't suggesting that I take things away or add the unimaginable cognitive overhead of tracking my macros and logging everything in a food app. She just had one question for me to ask at every meal. Are you eating enough protein? And I find this question so powerful because so much of weight loss advice centers around restricting yourself. This question is about eating more. And it turns out I haven't been eating enough protein. Not by a long shot. A good goal for most people is 30 grams of protein per meal plus snacks, which will get you 90 to 150 grams of protein per day. If you'd like more tailored recommendations, the FDA recommends a minimum of 50 grams of protein per day. The European Food Safety Agency and the World Health Organization recommend 0.8 grams of protein per 1 kilogram of body weight per day, which is 0.36 grams per pound. For me, that's 94 grams of protein per day. Fitness people provide a broader range, but there's a few different meta-analysis studies that look at how much you can absorb. They say around 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight is the optimal amount if you're active and trying to change your body composition. For me, that would be 187 grams of protein per day. Deeper into fitness science, they recommend using lean body mass for the calculation, which mitigates how obesity impacts the numbers, but that's hard to calculate at home. An easier number they suggest is 1 gram of protein per 1 centimeter of height. So for me, that's 185 grams of protein per day, which aligns to the number above. Most days, I was barely meeting the FDA's minimum requirement, I was never meeting the World Health Organization's guidelines, I was certainly not following what modern fitness people say, despite all of the fitness work that I'm putting in. When I was selling my company, when I was doing 17 Zoom meetings a day, and when I didn't have a kitchen, most of my days were like what I'm about to tell you. I still have days like this, and we all have days like this. A breakfast of pancakes has a measly 6 grams of protein. My sandwich for lunch with mixed deli meats, only 16 grams. A snack of an almond croissant, only 8 grams. Even my beloved pepperoni pizza for dinner, 24 grams. And that's if you eat a lot of pizza. And that's only 54 grams of protein for the day, which is barely above the minimum recommended by the FDA, half of what the World Health Organization says, and a third of what's recommended for my height and activity level. And I was eating a lot of food, but I was still hungry all of the time. This type of eating is a recipe for cold pizza from the middle of the night, in my snacking cape. Despite blowing my calorie budget, I was hungry all of the time. These days I have more space to focus on what I'm eating. Breakfast for me now might be oatmeal with nuts and seeds, which has 26 grams of protein. 
Lunch might be Brussels sprout Caesar salad with three jammy eggs for 24 grams of protein. My snack in the afternoon might be granola with Greek yogurt for 18 grams. Dinner might be roasted cabbage with crumbled feta and walnuts for 21 grams. And then snacking might be hummus and veggies. And this is a really plant-forward plan, but it has twice as much protein at 99 grams as my beloved Pizza Diet 2020. This is above the World Health Organization's recommended amount, but still only half my goal based on my activity and my height. I could, begrudgingly, eat a chicken breast for 55 grams of protein, but I don't want to eat a plain chicken breast every day. I can't afford it, the planet can't afford it, and sadly, the more delicious chicken thigh only has 13 grams of protein. A few weeks ago, I finished Total Strength 1 again, and I'm about to start Total Strength 2 next week. Both of these are progressive overload weight training programs. And for the past few weeks while I've been doing it, I've been really focused on closing the protein gap in my diet to make sure I'm getting the most out of that work I'm putting in. Most of these days, that means I need to have two protein shakes of 30 grams of protein each. One in the morning and one at night. This simple act of adding two protein shakes every day has made me feel so much more in control of my food cravings than any other change that I've tried, any other cleanse that I've done, and I'm no longer tearing through the kitchen looking for snacks. I'm not even hungry anymore because I am full all of the time. And I'm full because protein takes a really long time to digest. I'm full because my body probably has what it needs now. And I feel so much better psychologically because I flipped the script on my internal dialogue. I'm not laying in bed shaming myself for wanting to eat and then saying, I'm not allowed to, but I want to. And instead I'm thinking, I am so full and I still need 15 more grams of protein and I can't possibly eat another spoon of peanut butter because I am so full. Meeting the protein bar is hard. Now, the protein industry can be pretty gross when it comes to ingredient quality and food additives. I avoid a lot of products for these reasons, so here's a few of the ones that I like that I'm using to meet my protein goals. None of this is sponsored, so I'd love to hear in the comments what your favorites are. For protein powder, I buy the Sun Warrior Warrior Blend protein, which is vegan, natural flavor, it has no additives in it. The flavors do have additives like xanthan gum, but basically every protein powder out there does because it helps make the shake taste more creamy. Um, but there's 23 grams of protein in that in one shake. I also add collagen for another 10 grams of protein in every shake. I also buy Beck broth, which is made locally here in Kitchener. Uh, it ships across Ontario. Beck makes a hot chocolate flavor that literally tastes like chocolate milk. It does have 15 grams of sugar in it from honey, but she has a no sugar coffee flavor made with cold brew coffee and there's 15 grams of protein per jar. But what's really helped me meet my protein goal is granola. There is nothing faster to eat when you are tired and hungry than granola on yogurt. Granola can save you when you are hangry. You will put your phone down midway through ordering pizza and realize that you can make an omelet instead. That is the power of granola. Granola with yogurt can be a great high protein food and homemade granola tastes way better than what you get at the store. I also find that it helps me with my sweet tooth and cravings for sugar. With the right recipe, granola can taste just like your favorite dessert, but way better for you. It's a win-win, not a compromise. So, you might recall how much I love morning buns. 
You can all agree they are not a healthy breakfast, and they became the first dessert flavor I turned into granola. Here's how they compare nutritionally. A morning bun has 510 calories, 27 grams of fat, 28 grams of sugar, and only 6 grams of protein. Morning bun-inspired granola on Greek yogurt only has 247 calories, only 12 grams of sugar, but 18 grams of protein. So the granola has half the calories, half the fat, half the sugar, and three times the protein, but it still hits that same flavor profile and same craving for desserts. Now, this isn't a mediocre dessert replacement. It is something that's extremely tasty. It is something that I want to eat. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying don't eat desserts. There's obviously a place for desserts, such as my strawberry latte tiramisu, but that just means smaller sizes and less often. I want a donut from my favorite coffee shop, Lucero, every single day, but I can happily get my dessert dopamine from granola instead. The morning bun granola is one of the best recipes I've ever developed, and the joy I get from my friends' reactions to eating it is what led me down this very fun rabbit hole. It is so good I decided to take all of my favorite dessert recipes and turn them into granola recipes. It's actually been so much fun. It's very affordable because if you buy conventional ingredients, you can make a kilogram of granola for $5. If you make it with organic ingredients, it's only $10. This is 15 servings of granola. Granola is one bowl, one pan, five minutes of stirring, and 25 minutes of baking. It tastes so much better than what you're going to get at the store. So to help you make this, I've put together some base recipes you can riff on. They use different mixing techniques for different types of ingredients, and I've included variations that I've tried within each base recipe. I've also included a section on how to buy quality oats, how to choose the right nuts and seeds if you're looking to maximize your protein or maximize flavor. There are so many variations you can make from these base recipes, like baklava granola, carrot cake granola, coconut cream pie or lemon poppy seed cake granola, pumpkin pie spice or gingerbread granola. And if you make the Oreo variation, which gets its flavor from black cocoa, it is amazing. You can also use that same technique with regular cocoa to make Ferrero Rocher granola. I hope you make these because they are fun, they're affordable, they're delicious and filling. The recipes are available on my website. There's a printable version now. There will be a video version soon. Probably We're Sharing is a reader-supported publication, so if you would like to support my work directly, you can become a paying subscriber at probablywersharing.substack.com. Thanks. Probably worth sharing.